Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 254 of Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the kooky creatrix behind Kick-Ass Switch, Putting the K in Magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode, back on Blog Talk Radio, where you will also find a link. I hope you find this link. Go find this link. Go do it, do it, do it to today's very special guest, Naha Armadi. Welcome to the show, Naha. Hi, I'm so glad you have me on today. Yeah, I'm going to tell everybody too, your intuition led you here if you're listening <laughs> to this show. <laughs> right. I love that when you come to House of Intuition, it says your intuition led you here and now it's on the website too, which is so cool. Yes, now it is an officially trademarked phrase that we have, and it's um, really become our catchphrase. And it's so funny when you first come to House of Intuition, little fun fact that a lot of people don't know. So, you know, I've been there since the very beginning. Yeah, I was going to ask you about and, that. Uh, Let's tell people what it is, too. <laughs> well, yeah, House of Intuition started as uh, a place that was It's opened by two lovely, beautiful women, um, they're also partners and they uh, had a tarot reading and then the tarot reading the reader asked them you know there's something you guys are supposed to be doing they were at a very transitional place in their life and they di- they kind of didn't know what to do with their business one of their businesses was closing down and the reader was like what is this thing that you guys have always kind of dreamed of but didn't think was possible and they said we always wanted to open a business that was spiritually based where people could come and they could get guidance and tools to help them and the woman said you have to do it you must do this thing immediately go do it go find this spot and open it up and they were like are you crazy we don't know this is what you know when you do tarot readings for people a lot of times they say to you are you crazy (laughs) Um, but they left the reading two weeks later they were signing the lease on the house and they ended up opening this this beautiful space they brought readers they brought um, clairvoyance and healers and teachers and it just started out as a place that offered readings and then they ended up um, beginning to create their own products their own candle line their own incense um, and then really filling that out into um, many, many classes and now online classes. It just has continued to grow over the eight years that they've been open. It's insane. I I went there really close to the very beginning because I live very nearby and I was excited that that existed at all. And I remember when it was very small and very like homey and I mean, it still kind of has a homey vibe. I have to say. Oh gosh, when you used to walk in, uh, you walked in and the front room, which is now you know, you, there's all of the um, the herbs are in the front. They've changed it around so many times uh, over the years. But when you very when when it very first opened and you walked in, that front room, which is now jam packed full of all kinds of magical things and crystals, was basically like a waiting room. I don't know if you remember that. Like this would have been 
really, really early on, but there was literally a coffee table with four big kind of like old vintage chairs sitting around it. <laughs> uh, and there was, and that was it. It was kind of come in and sit down. And we, we basically spent that first year just sitting around that table, uh, kind of powwowing, trying to manifest, trying to hope that anybody would come up those stairs. But what I was going to say is a lot of people don't know that little did I know that those stairs would become one of the most photographed and Instagrammable <laughs> images. Everybody gets their picture taken on the stairs of House of Intuition because they have the planetary symbols painted going up each each stair. Well, skips a couple, but the the uh, seven classical planets. And I'm actually the one that painted those on there. And uh, that was something that in the beginning, they kind of let me do whatever I wanted. And my thing was, let's paint everything gold. We painted the pipes gold. I painted the gold symbols on the, on the stairs going up. And then at the bottom of the stairs, it used to be in gold in my handwriting where it said, your intuition led you here. Now, I can't take credit for coming up with that that tagline that was not me but I was the one that originally painted it at the bottom of the stairs and since then you know the place has really gotten branded and so they've made it look a lot cleaner and they repainted uh, the little saying in black and white and they've repainted the inside of the house which used to be this weird kind of green and tan color it was kind of like going into your grandma's house and then <laughs> You know, after they did the rebrand, they really wanted to make it um, just make it look a, a little bit cleaner and make all of because they opened up three locations. They wanted to make them all look cohesive. Yeah. And so everything now is is uh, the different shops look the same. But the one thing that they left the original from the original look is they never painted over the stairs, and hopefully they don't. So the little gold planetary symbols are still on the stairs painted by yours truly. Mm. I take a little bit of pride in that because every time I go on Instagram and I search House of Intuition, it's just picture after picture of people posed on this magical stairs. I love it. And you know what it does? It sets the tone. It gives mm. you like a magical feeling right away. And those stairs are a little bit perilous. I have to say, like sometimes yes. I wear big, big, like huge shoes that are like, yeah. you know, like big wedges. And I'm always like, careful, careful. But you there's something like almost like um, initiatory about making it up the stairs to the little shop. Right. I so agree with you. You have to make a commitment to actually go up to House of Intuition. Now, this is the one that's in Silver Lake. This is the Silver Lake Echo Park one. You can't just roll in off the sidewalk and go, oh, hey, what's this place? You have to, you look up those stairs, of which there are many, as you said, rather perilous, especially if you're in your, your big sexy shoes. And go, am I really doing this? Am I climbing all of these stairs to go? And then you get to the top of the stairs and then you realize there's more stairs. <laughs> like a few more. And you really, I love that you call it initiatory because isn't that such a great metaphor? You know, climbing, going to the top of the mountain, to the top of the pyramid, taking those literal steps to go up to find something that's hopefully going to help to connect you to something higher, to your higher self or to some higher guidance. Yep. So 
I just think you're right. It totally sets the tone, and I think it's a very special kind of unique feature about about House of Intuition. Yeah, you know what? I have I have kind of a weird sense of L.A. pride in general. Um, yeah. But I have funky, like, House of Intuition pride. Like, when people come to visit, I'm like, you must, you must go. <laughs> I always send them to that location. But yeah. I have to say, there's some weird magical timing to the whole thing because I don't think I'm, I don't think I was there when there was just the coffee table. I would go in and there'd always be, there were two really, like, stunningly arresting looking blondes, either you or Maja, like, sitting and doing tarot readings <laughs> off to, like, the left and and there wasn't a lot of merchandise at that point. Um, right. You could get, I think, like Reiki or something. But um, yeah. But then it just like explode. I did not realize that a witchy shop could have the potential to be what it is. It, I remember just you're like adding rooms like all around <laughs> for the classes. Right. Yeah. And, we, got, we kind of as things opened up, we kind of grabbed them. We got the little healing studio in the back. We got the event studio down on the front. There's the rooms in the back. And it really did. People people wanted it. And especially here in L.A., people are really open to that kind of thing. But our whole take on it is we don't want to we don't want to just be a place where it's witchy in that way where it's so esoteric that sometimes you go into places like that. I've, I've had a, this experience where it's a little bit pretentious where they're kind of like, oh, you if you don't know what you're doing, we're not going to tell you. You know, I remember going into this place in the East Village. This was years ago. And it was so cool. And I've always been drawn to places like that. But you, you don't sometimes there's kind of this this um, aura of sort of drama or mystique because they're trying to make it a little bit like that. And it's not necessarily warm and welcoming and helpful. Um, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yes. Uh, yes. And so they wanted it to be something that could provide you tools to if you were interested in metaphysics, in esoteric things, in occult things, in witchy things, or in whatever your spiritual vein might be. But to have it really in an approachable way and in an accessible way where it's not, you're not expected to come in with all of the knowledge yourself. You're, you're expected to just come in with an open mind and then be able to talk to people that can sort of help you and guide you uh, to be able to figure out this stuff and, and to be able to turn your own intuition on. Yeah, I, I think of I think of you as being a really good representation of that because, and this might make you blush, but you are like obscenely beautiful and you have this oh. like L, <laughs> L.A. cool girl style that can be very intimidating. And then you have <laughs> a crazy wealth of knowledge, like hermeticism, alchemy, magic, tarot, you name it. Well, I had really good teachers, so that helps a lot. (laughs) But here's the thing. You're so welcoming and warm. I remember um, Wiz Garber. Am I saying his name right? Okay, he was doing a class on alchemy. I'd already done your middle pillar ritual, and Mm -hmm. um, I would do more, but um, I'm a busy mom, you know, and (laughs) I I schedule a lot of the things you do. I I can't make it to, but I try to, and I was running late in, Mm. in, in my big shoes, and yeah. running, you know, past the awesome murals on the wall trying to get there. And I, I was like, oh, I'm going to get the, the hairy eyeball when I walk in. 
and you were <laughs> sitting there and you just smiled and you were so sweet and so kind and every interaction I've had with you has been like that you're very very friendly so it's oh good <laughs> yeah it's it's a nice contrast it's like kind of intimidating that wealth of knowledge and the way you look and then but then you're just you're a sweetheart well, I, I don't they say that you, you, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar? That's that true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I don't really see the point in trying to, um, you know, trying to have an attitude about it all. I think that one of the most important aspects in, in this work is being able to really stay humble, especially when you have, it's so important when your spirituality and your work intertwine. As soon as you are doing something that is spiritually based and you are actually making a living doing it, for instance, doing readings and charging money for it. My teachers taught me and the lineage that I come from is that that is actually not okay. The way that I was taught and the way that my teachers were taught by their teachers is that you don't charge for tarot readings. And you know, there are certain things in traditions that are there for a reason and then I believe that there are certain things in traditions that can evolve and can be just due to certain circumstances or just due to changing times those things can be adjusted and sometimes the rules can be bent so when I started at House of Intuition I actually was not doing readings immediately I was working there I was working the desk I was doing the books I was helping order inventory I was going to the Rose Bowl to help them pick out furniture. I was helping them set up, basically. I was painting the stairs. I was doing all that kind of stuff. And when the time came that they needed me to do a reading because they didn't have a reader on this day, and they said, Naha, can you do this reading? And I said, in that moment, it was. I, I liken it to if you were going down the freeway and you saw someone had an accident and you're not necessarily a professional you know, an EMT, would you just drive by the person or would you stop and help them? So at this moment, this woman came in, she said, I want to get a reading. And they said, Naha, can you do it? And I said, yeah, I can do this reading for this woman. And after that, I, I really sat with it and I said, would it be okay for me to be a professional tarot reader and to combine what my passion is and what my studies have been into my career? And that would mean being able to support myself by helping people, by doing what I love and doing what I knew I was good at. So I, I thought about it and I kind of came to terms with it. I said, I, I feel in my heart of hearts like this is okay and that this is right with me, my higher self. And so I petitioned my teachers, both of them, and I asked them, I said, I know what you've told me, I know what you've taught me, and I'm... I'm basically asking your permission, would it be okay for me to become a professional tarot reader? And what they, they both thought, you know, took that information and thought about it and came back to me and without too much of a, of, you know, after a few days, they both said, yes, uh, we give you our blessing and we basically give you our permission and our blessing to, to do this. And we just want to make it very imperative that you always remain humble, that you always remember, uh, be very, very intentional in the fact that number one, you are there to help people and not to make a paycheck. 
and just never lose sight of that. Always, always uh, consider the fact that you're not in it. You didn't you learn tarot to do it for money. It was, that was not the driving force behind it. It is just the uh, secondary aspect that comes along with the fact that number one is trying to be of service. So it, it's just something that I've really had to consider. And I think that that maybe is, is also part of just why my attitude is what it is. And I, and I, there's no reason for me to charge a lot of readers. They charge a lot of money. I just, I see this all the time. And, uh, I, I feel that our readings uh, on the scale of what, what a person can get, I feel like the value is probably the best out there for the quality that you get. Uh, it's not cheap. It, it's like anything. You know, I have, I have a lot of tattoos, too. And <laughs> if you want a good tattoo, it's not going to be cheap. If you want a good reading, I don't think you need to pay hundreds and hundreds. Some people charge, I've seen you know, like $600 for sessions and things are, you know, you can get a, a tarot reading with me, a 30 minute tarot reading is $70. And I think an hour is a hundred. And that's still a considerable chunk of change. But if, if you, if you look at, at what the prices can be, and, and I, I really do feel that that's fair, but it's something you have to as a professional spiritual person of any kind, I think that you really you you have to stay centered and grounded and and coming from from not from a place of how much money can I make doing it you know yes yeah and you pay for what you get but also you should know what you're paying for and and you have an awesome repu reputation and all this knowledge that I've been talking about and integrity that word keeps coming up for me mm. and um, I think what you were saying too about making the focus of your career being of service. I feel like as a society, we're kind of going in that direction as computer, yeah. as computers and technology, they're taking over all of these jobs. And I myself focus on that. And I have a lot of friends that focus on that. And I, it's an exciting time to realize that you can make your living being of, of service to other people in a variety of ways, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever you love, I think can guide you toward that as well. Not that, anything you love could be a career, but um, it's nice when those things come together. Totally. And I think that some things, any job is basically providing some kind of service. I mean, maybe mm. if, you, if you think of it, every, every job, there's some, there's some kind of output that's made, right? Whether it's something tangible or something. Some kind uh, of value is being created. There's some kind of value being created. But if you look at that and say, is that something that's truly beneficial to humanity, <laughs> to people, or to the world, or is it something that's not? That's where I came to it because my in my past, I was a bartender. I was a bartender. I was also a DJ for many, many years. I was a nightclub DJ. And when I was bartending... And, and when I look back at that, it's funny because I draw parallels between being a tarot reader and being a bartender because you, those are both jobs where people come and bring their problems to you. Mm -hmm. And they're both sort of like being a therapist without having the degree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you do kind of, you are sort of 
uh, a counselor in both of those positions. The problem with being a bartender is you're only helping that person for that moment. You're kind of help you're helping them that night, but then the next morning when they wake up with a hangover, they're just sort of back to where they started. You're just you're just kind of giving them a uh, a uh, kind of like a blanket to push everything down and not actually deal with it. So I knew when I moved to LA, I just, I wanted to, I, I liked the, the feeling of offering somebody something that made them feel good, but I wanted it to actually be something that helped them to make adjustments and be healthier and not something that ultimately was going to be not really long-term solution. And I was to the point where I, I didn't, wasn't drinking anymore. When I was bartending, when I was in full-blown DJ, bartender, party mode, I drank a lot to the point of really be, becoming an alcoholic. And I had to stop. I had to sort of hit a wall so many times with that that uh, I had to completely quit drinking 100%. And I don't think now that I could do the work that I do. I mean, I know that I couldn't do it. I have to kind of be pretty on the straight and narrow. Uh, so because my work at this point is so 24 seven, I, you know, I can't, I can't mess around with that kind of stuff. Uh, but it, but at the same time, do I have regrets? No. And I feel like anybody that's a healer, anybody that helps people, in that kind of way, at least the healers that I've met, all of them have some kind of some kind of darkness in their past. I feel like you have to have that. I don't know. What do you think? Do you, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the healer, wounded, I think the wounded healer is is a real thing. The it's wounded like, healer, totally. The dark night of the soul. All of those things. I I like to say you have to have gone to the edge of the abyss and come back from it to be able to help somebody else back from it. Yeah, yeah. Well, where, I'm really curious because you mentioned it a couple of times about your history. Like, where did you get all of this information? And you, it's really, you can tell you're very grounded in it. You're not like searching. It just mm. sort of like rolls off your tongue. I, I really recommend, I know a lot of my listeners are YouTube viewers, so I really recommend yeah. they go check out your YouTube channel because uh, you'll do something, you'll do like tarot unboxings, but I've never seen a tarot unboxing like you do. A lot of people do them online, but yours, are just, yours are so educational and, and just yeah. where does that come from? It's funny because the tarot unboxing, you're right. A lot of people do it, but that's sort of a thinly veiled way to just pull people in to so that I can talk to them about what I really want to talk to them about, which is coming from more of an educational place or, or just a deeper conversation. And I think that at the root of my teachings, at the root of my studies, I'm very much, I kind of have that academic mindset. And uh, I'm very much a traditionalist. I like to go to the source, to the source, to the source. I never like to just take something at face value and believe it. Um, I like to go to the the bibliography in the back of the in the back of a book and say, well, where did this person get the information from? And then I try to trace it back to 
the uh, as much to the original source as possible and the fortunate thing when you're dealing with magic is that we have a lot at this time we're so I mean we're so spoiled in the fact that so many old magical texts and alchemical books and esoteric books have been translated into English, they've been republished, things from the 1300s, 1400s, 1500s. We have access to that stuff now where you can imagine even, you know, back in the in the turn of the century when Golden Dawn, Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, which is the lineage that my teachers have passed down to me, uh, where they are having to sit for hours after hours in the British Museum and find these old dusty magical tomes and actually these things a lot of them were not even in English yet and put the pieces together and translate these things and the, the work so much of the work has been done for us at this point in time so mm -hmm. the information is out there and how I actually found it is kind of interesting because I was my first love was tarot I feel like at this point in time, I've noticed I was talking to some of my students about this the other day. For a lot of people and a lot of, a lot of, uh, just like a lot of people, I feel right now their gateway drug into metaphysics is crystals. Crystals are super popular. They're very, they're, they're everywhere. They're fashionable. Celebrities are into them. Everybody's got crystals in their purse, in their bag. It's it's becoming a very common thing, right? right. Yeah. So right now, I feel like that is what is kind of drawing people in. And then they're going, oh, it's okay. Now let me learn about other things. Like, let me start paying attention to the moon cycles. And let me sage my apartment out. And let me maybe attend some kind of a of a women's group or a circle or a ritual but for me the gateway was tarot and I actually have a video on my YouTube it's it's youtube.com slash 22 teachings if anybody wants to see but uh, I have a video on there called my first tarot deck and where I describe when I bought that first deck and I just saw the box. I don't remember if I knew what tarot was prior to that. I was 16 years old. I was, you know, still in high school, and I saw the cards. They were in this cabinet in this magic shop, and I, I felt, I felt this magnetism coming from them. It was almost like I know what that is. I need that thing, and I believe now that when it comes to your magical training. I I feel confident in the fact that I do believe that that our energy does reincarnate and that we can access our past lives. I can't say that I know 100% exactly how it all works, but a lot of times with that stuff my my take on it is anything's possible. And that's what I what I ask of my students, not necessarily to say you have to believe this or that, but open your mind at least say who knows? Any, anything's possible. So because of that, if you consider that in prior lifetimes, the things that you would have studied, the initiations that you may have had, there is something woven into our soul, into our, into our divine blueprint. And when you come across things in this lifetime that may bridge you back to that, you recognize it. It's not, 
it's kind of like when you meet someone and you feel, oh, I know this. I've known this person before. I yeah. I just instantly recognize this person. And that's how I felt with tarot. It struck a chord within me. And I did not have at the time any other friends, any other people that were into tarot. It wasn't popular at that time. I bought a Rider Waite deck. It didn't even say Rider Waite on it. It just said tarot cards. It was some kind of knockoff deck. And I started studying it on my own. I bought, a, a, shortly thereafter, I bought a book on tarot. I can't even remember. I want to say it was maybe Eileen Connolly's book. I don't know it. I know that. I know that it's still a popular deck, but she had a series of one, two, three books on tarot. And I bought the first one, and I... And I just used it for myself. I didn't, I didn't do readings for other people. I didn't really. I was sort of a. I was like an occult loner, basically. <laughs> and it was that way for a long time. But it, I was just so fascinated with the imagery. I, anytime in, in high school when there was an art class, I would always, use, use inspiration from the tarot deck and what I was painting or drawing or creating when I got my very first tattoo as soon as I turned 18 a friend me and a friend and I was living in Seattle at the time uh, we both had we had August birthdays so we both turned 18 the same year we both went to get our first tattoo as soon as it was legal for us to get one and I remember he got the uh, if anybody remembers the band Operation Ivy he got the tattoo of the band logo and I got the Wheel of Fortune yeah, it's and so fitting. And it was the image that had been on the front of the box that I had looked at and just seen all those weird symbols and I didn't know from Hebrew letters and and alchemical symbols at the time. I just saw the little sphinx at the top of the wheel. And so at that point there was like a certain kind of initiate like a self-initiation at that point to put that on my body and I felt like this is more than just a tattoo. This is a this is a magical talisman. And actually, since then, I've collected many of the tarot cards as tattoos, and I've gotten them when I was at the point in my life where I felt like that's what I was going through. So when I moved to L.A., I got my full tattoo. And when I started uh, being a professional tarot reader, I got my, my magician tattoo. When I was going through my Saturn return, I got my tower. So nice. I, Nice. Yeah. That is so yeah, cool. So, so I've kind of collected them. And then my sleeves are the four tarot suits. So I have on my lower arms the wands, the cups, and then my upper arms the swords and the pentacles. So this was always something that I was very – I just identified with it so much. And and yet there, there was still – there was no connection with for me to anything outside of tarot. I, I didn't connect it to other, I didn't make the crossover or the jump from tarot to other sort of magical modalities. I didn't really understand astrology. I didn't really understand alchemy or ceremonial magic or any of those things. And And it wasn't until actually I was in... I, w I was in my later 20s 
that I was in Seattle. I was I was living on on Capitol Hill, which was this was the sort of alternative neighborhood. It's the gay neighborhood. I've always been drawn, you know, sometimes I like to say I'm a, I'm a, a gay man trapped in a woman's body. Those are, my, <laughs> those are my people. Those are the people who have raised me and taught me how to be a lady. So RuPaul is one of my spirit animals. Oh, I love it. And so I was living in that neighborhood, and, um, and, I, and I was living with a, a very, very cherished and dear friend, uh, my friend Tippett and we were also kind of in the nightlife world together. Uh, I would DJ, he would MC for me, and we were both sort of doing a lot of event promotion stuff like that. We were being rock stars, you know. And um, and at that time, I was not in a let's just say I was not in a high spiritually minded place in my life. Um, <laughs> I was drinking a lot, I was partying a lot, I was staying out all night, and uh, and it was great, I was having fun, but it was definitely, I would say, probably the most toxic time of my life, especially health-wise, and probably sanity-wise as well. And was I really providing something useful to humanity? I guess it could be argued that being a DJ, it does give people something and, and people get to dance and release. And I really did love that. I actually think that being a DJ is what kind of gave me my chops for being a teacher because it made me able to be comfortable up in front of a, a crowd of people. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but Tippett had, had a really deep uh, spiritual interest and he he was a few steps ahead of me in the fact that he had branched into many more areas. He loved crystals and stones. At that point in time, I had no knowledge. I had no understanding about the healing properties of crystals. He was very into it. He was actually from Little Rock, Arkansas. And I don't know if you know this, but Arkansas is where some of the most beautiful quartz in the entire world comes from. Arkansas quartz is like world renowned. Uh, he, was, he was born into it. Yeah, totally. So, and and he, in the apartment where where we stayed, he had beautiful altars that he would build. He was really the one who who taught me how to create an altar. I would have never have thought of creating an altar in my home. Uh, like a, he was just a very magical person, and. He said, I, I've got, I'm getting, there's a group of people that are kind of coming together to talk about esoteric things, and I want you to come along with me. And, uh, and I said, oh, no, you guys go on ahead. I was all, I've always kind of been, had a little bit of social anxiety, and, and so going and, and hanging out with a bunch of people I didn't know didn't sound like the best thing that I wanted to do. But he drugged me, basically kicking and screaming, and said, no, I want you to come meet these people, and we're just going to go talk about magic. And so I went, and um, and the first time I remember, there was it was kind of this discussion. Now, this is where I met Wiz Garber, as you mentioned, and I also met William Kiesel. And talk about intimidating. I mean, these these are people that are, they're, as I like to say, they are real wizards. Uh, you can look up William, actually. He runs a, a, a printing, uh, a publishing company called Ouroboros Press. His mm. website is yeah. bookart.org. And he uh, publishes 
beautiful, beautiful magical texts, many of which he actually gets that have never even been translated into English. He hires, he finds these old texts, he does the research, he hires translators, and he uh, reproduces these works in just very, very stunning, uh, beautiful way. He, he resets them and, and um, does them, it just, they're works of art, really. Can you say his website again? I think I was talking over you. Sure. Yeah, it's bookarts.org. And the name of and it's Ouroboros Press. So if you look up Ouroboros Press, that that that's an easy way to find him. Uh, he also is the uh, he also created the Esoteric Book Conference in Seattle, which I believe is on its gosh maybe its eight or ninth year. So every year they have this huge book conference where uh, rare book publishers and magical people from all over the world come and. They do, they do talks, and there's a big art show, and people share their, uh, their books. So he is extremely uh, esteemed in that, in that community and is just an absolute scholar in all areas. Both of these men were in, in so many areas beyond the tarot. And although my initial meeting, as I said, I... I, I never went seeking it. That was the thing. I wasn't looking for for teachers or I didn't know that I was. Um, but as it turns out, they both became significant teachers of mine. And what ended up happening is from that initial group that came together on that night, it kind of boiled down. We kept meeting and we kept meeting and it became a really formal magical working group. And they... What they taught me is that tarot is not just a standalone modality. It's not just tarot cards are this thing by themselves. What they, what they taught me about is that tarot is a part of a bigger puzzle. And that bigger puzzle includes all of these other aspects. It does, it, a piece of that is astrology and numerology and sacred geometry and Hermetic Kabbalah, uh, the Tree of Life, and alchemy, and all of these things that they actually all fit together. And once I started realizing these are all pick pieces of a bigger puzzle that is this esoteric knowledge that uh, the way that they teach it is, is um, through a lineage called the um, Western Mystery Tradition. And that there's actually a very well-documented uh, lineage that is passed down uh, across time. Uh, and then the most, the most well-known uh, in recent times, as I said, is, is the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, which was a secret society which basically made all of this extremely uh, cohesive and available now because all of their secret rituals were eventually published so we could have that information. So once they blasted my third eye open to realize this is a way bigger thing than I than I originally knew, I was in. I I was sold. It basically became my life's work to to know more and to continue to study and read and explore, and then putting that together. As I said, when I came to Los Angeles 
to actually take what had just been my personal uh, private passion and allow that to be something that I could use as a career. Now a lot of my knowledge comes from my hands-on experience and actually working with people hands-on. My healing modality, uh, I call it the middle pillar healing because that's the, the basis of it, even though it includes other things. But that is a, a ritual that is a golden dawn ritual. Yeah, so, I really wanted to ask you about that because that's yeah. something... Uh, I, I mean, I, I would say that you're like famous in certain circles in Los Angeles and maybe our most famous witch and that that's your signature thing that people know you for. Is that Does that feel true to you? That feels true to me. Well, I like to call myself a wizardess, not a witch, but it's just semantics, really. <laughs> yeah, I like witches. But, uh, wizardess. But wizard, wi wizardess. Um, well, I, it's funny because... I, I do think that that, that is, is kind of what I am the most well-known for, the middle pillar healing. And you know what's so funny? Now, that's, that, as I said, it, it stems from a Golden Dawn ritual, although it's really just the skeleton of the work that I do because it is a healing modality where you can add all these other things to it. And to it, I have added crystal healing and Reiki and some different shamanic energy clearing practices that I've learned. So I was able to take all of the different things that I knew and kind of piece them all together to make this healing modality. And I've called it middle pillar, which basically is what lies at the core, which is, which comes from the middle pillar of the tree of life. So the tree of life is the glyph that hermetic Kabbalists use to describe and kind of map out all of this stuff. And you can you can use it as a map over your body, and if you do that, then the middle pillar becomes the center line of your body. From the top of your crown, it runs through your spine down to the bottom of your feet. And so, although the in Golden Dawn, they just used it as basically a meditation, and the meditation in itself is quite simple. It's bringing light in through the crown of your head, and then pulling that light down slowly down that center line, pausing it along certain energy centers along the way, filling those energy centers with light, and then anchoring it down below your feet. So the idea is where anything in your life is out of balance or pulled over to one side or the other, that you're bringing your energy to the center. And if you're centered, then you're able to make conscious decisions and kind of whenever you're encountering something throughout your day, you can, you can make a choice of how you want to act or react from your center line instead of being some kind of a swinging pendulum that's just sort of compensating for being pulled all around by life. <laughs> yeah, that's and, a great uh, way to describe it. That makes yeah. so much sense. So I... It was just a personal practice. I did the middle pillar as a personal practice for years. I had probably done it on myself for for about seven years before before I realized it could be used on a client. I could do it basically with or for someone else. And it was and so here I am trying to figure out what my healing modality is going to be. I went and got my Reiki certification. I went and got my crystal healing uh, certifications. And I studied with shamans and 
I did sweat lodges and, and studied Native American teachings and I did yoga and I, and I learned all these different modalities, right? And then, and I still didn't understand what's my thing. I didn't, I, I knew that, that doing the, the tarot, that was a way to, to communicate information to people, but I wanted to be able to help people in a more hands-on kind of way. So I said, what? what is my thing? I don't know what my thing is. And so one day I was, I was looking at some books and I ran across this tiny little book. It was almost just like a booklet. It's hardly even a book. It's still available and it's called The True Art of Healing. And it's by an author called Israel Regardi who I'd read tons of his books. He was the original author that published all the Golden Dawn stuff. And so I said, the true art of healing, maybe this is the, maybe this is the key I've been looking for. So I, so I get this little book, right? And I start reading it and I'm, and what this book is, is it's the middle pillar. But so Rigardi, he was a chiropractor, not just an occultist. He had a chiropraction practice and he had begun using the middle pillar on his clients that were coming for their for their physical pain and he outlines I'm trying to picture that in my mind it's such a physical like ceremonial procedure right right so so he outlines in this book how to basically put a client on a table uh, like a massage table and lead them through the middle pillar as as a healing modality and in my mind I'm going Oh my God, I already know this. This is the practice that I've been doing on myself for the last seven years that my teachers taught me. Wait a minute. The thing I've been looking for this whole time, I already knew. <laughs> such a classic tarot, like that's such a classic tarot story to me. I think of, um, so if you think of the Eight of Cups, right? Mm -hmm. So in the Eight of Cups, you see that you have that that pyramid of cups that's built, but there's a missing there's a there's a gap there's a missing cup, right? So that poor little guy in the eight of cups, he I I picture I call that the breakup card. Um, it's it's like he's been building that pyramid. Clearly, he's been stacking those cups up. He's been investing some time and energy into it, but he just realizes it's something's missing and no matter how he stacks those cups up there's just always this gap and so he walks away from it he says I don't I, he's almost kind of hermity as he walks away he says I've got to go find what the missing piece is and so at that point I see that he he kind of becomes the knight of cups so the knight of cups is on his pony and he's holding his cup upward and he's kind of journeying across the lands trying to find trying to fill his cup up, right? And he's looking, you know, what is it that's gonna fill this? And he explores and he has all kinds of adventures and he's very wearing his heart on his sleeve and falling in love and falling out of love and having all these experiences. And at, at some point, I believe that all of the knights in the deck, they, you can't just be a knight forever. At some point, you have to evolve, right? And what I believe is that when the Knight of Cups gets to the end of his journey, if he ever truly does find the missing piece, what he realizes is that it was something that was, was it within him the entire time. 
time. The Holy Grail. The Holy Grail. That's what I'm thinking of when you're talking about this. A thousand percent. The Holy Grail. He's looking for the Ace, the missing piece, the Ace of Cups, and it is within him. It is. It is his own heart. Yeah. It's crack. It's cracking himself open, really, isn't it? To receive his, to to look within, um, to receive and connect with his own higher self. And so I feel like that's really where that journey led me. I thought, you know, I did need to go and collect all these pieces along the way. But at the end, when I got to the end, and I said, "Aha! Here's the book that's going to teach me what I what the missing thing." I already knew it, and it was just amazing and that's when I started I said okay I've got it and nobody knows what middle pillar healing is uh I said okay I'm gonna call it that and I thought do I need to give it some kind of sexy name when I put middle pillar healing on the list of services of house of intuition is anybody gonna know what that is or do people know what for the most part, I think a lot of people know what Reiki is. Crystal healing is a given. And I and I asked the owners, I said, should I come up with some kind of fancy name like magical crystal hands up, blah, blah, blah. And I, I said, I don't know. It's middle pillar healing at its core. I'm just going to try. Let me try calling it what it is. And if it doesn't work, then I'll change it. Then I'll change it. Then I'll then I'll make it something that maybe is a little more approachable but I called it middle pillar healing I put that I described it as a ritual that came from the golden dawn all of this that nobody a lot of people don't know any of this stuff and lo and behold people came mm -hmm. and people wanted it and now I do it's my it is at the core of my healing work I do I do this work on people every single day and it's you never know what's going to come through in an individual session. It's a very personalized thing. Sometimes we work on people's past lives or their guides come through or their what the true nature of their blockages shows up. And I help people to work through that stuff. And then once a month, which you've come to, I do it as a group. I do a group ritual because not everybody uh, is ready to get on the table and do the full one on one session. So I offer it as a group and and uh, so everyone can come and bring a candle and set intentions and we have a little talk and then everyone lies down on a yoga mat and we run through the meditation together. And it's just, and it sells out every single month. I've been doing it now for, I think I have not missed a single month. It's probably been at least four or five years that I've been offering it month in and month out the th uh, third Saturday and uh, and there's never any need to promote it there's never any need to to try and hope people are gonna gonna come it's just so interesting and new people come and I always ask people how did you what made you come to this how and they just say I don't know I, I was My just intuition led me here <laughs> My intuition led me here, and I think it is. There's a there's a very famous um, hermetic proverb that says, "When the student is ready, the teacher will appear." And a lot of people have heard that, right? Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily mean when the student is looking, the teacher will appear. That's a when great point. 
when the student is ready. And I think back to when I met my teachers, as I said, I wasn't looking or I didn't know that I was, but for some reason I was ready. Yeah. Uh, you have had a spooky, cool, magical journey. And sure. I think, I think it's, it's fitting that we started this by saying your intuition, intuition led you here because you seem <laughs> to have a real faith in your intuition. Like you, and you seem to get excited about it. Like, I don't know why I want this deck of tarot cards but I do and it's supposed to mean something and you know what I mean it seems like yeah. every step on your that you've shared here has been mm -hmm. it has that like meant to be feeling that that we all I think crave and get excited about when we when we land on that it takes a pretty big deal of just being able to to have some to have some faith that there's more out there than meets the eye. One of my favorite sayings is magic is real and it just gets proven to me again and again and again and it and the the cool thing about seeing that happen, for instance, people come to a crystal grid ceremony with me and they pull an oracle card and they they don't choose the oracle card there's one sitting at their seat and they turn it over and the exact thing on the card is the thing that they've been thinking about all day or it's it's the number that's their favorite number um or two people come together and they are not uh they draw for their seats and then they end up sitting next to each other there's just so many things that are not planned they're just left to they're just they're left to spirit and they're and then just so many uncanny things happen over and over and over again for me all day long that the cool thing is it's never lost on me it's never i'm never just like oh just another crazy magical coincidence no big deal it's always just as exciting as it is the first time and i feel that magic is the one area where you get that you know you yes. can you can get high you can take drugs and it's never going to be as good as the first time right like a lot of things uh the after the first time is like you can you can try to to chase that feeling but i feel like when it comes to magic when it comes to the feeling that you get when you just have that uncanny psychic moment when, uh, you know, if I'm doing a reading for somebody and I look up at them and I just hit something so dead on that I don't know how I know it. I just, I just know, right? Yep. And they confirm, yes, that is what's going on. That is true. It feels just as exciting every single time that that happens. Yeah, so I totally relate to that. There's no law of diminishing returns in magic. It's like living with constant awe and wonder and I and it's the excitement that that keeps you open I think to experiencing yes. the next time and the next time and the next time what a beautiful way to say it yeah you know what it was the you did a cameo in a movie I last summer <laughs> I it was yeah. uh my friend Eric who is a witch and I went to go see it because I think I heard about it on maybe on your social media or something yeah but was it called the Knight of Cups it was the Knight of Cups, yeah. Okay, that movie to me was like, wow, you were meant to be in that because it's like, uh, <laughs> it was so tarot-centric and it was right. so symbolic. 
and mm-hmm. people that love tarot would I just think get so much out of it I was telling everybody about it after we saw it because it was so uh it's not like a linear big Hollywood movie it's like right. it's like tarot it's Even like though magic. it's all huge Hollywood actors yes yeah. you know Christian Bale and Natalie Portman and so yeah but you're right you you really I feel like you needed to be having some kind of pretty um, non-linear tarot sort of mindset to really it's a pretty avant-garde film so it was fun the drive home like talking about like ooh this or that or this happened and I think this meant that and you know just getting to put, put those pieces together like you do when you're reading tarot cards Right. And it was and that movie is like a tarot reading in the fact that you're not going to get it all while you're sitting there experiencing it. Some of it you're going to have to take home and kind of let it simmer and sort of like seep through the cracks and then go, oh, I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't you think readings are like that? Yes. You, if you go into a tarot reading expecting that every single thing is going to make sense right away, I, I think that, I mean, sure, that once in a while that happens, but you got to let things, you got to let things sink through because we all have sort of our, 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 we like to jump to conclusions with things. And I think that part of why you would even do it, get a tarot reading is because you don't know everything. And so allowing yourself to go, God, maybe I do need to step back and sort of look at the bigger picture and let myself um, hear something maybe beyond what my logical brain already knows to be true. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I know we're coming to the end here, and I really want to mention um, a couple of things, mainly like what you're doing online that people can find you at 22teachingsisit.com. Yeah. And that leads to everything. But then also houseofintuition.tv. And I have a question for you. HOI.tv. Yeah, that's our online classes. Okay. Holy TV is how I always think of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I have a question that I'm like burning to ask because Uh I I started my career online um, out of necessity, really, and it's been fabulous. But you really started as an in-person you know, one-on-one teacher, and now you teach classes, and, um, you know, and a tarot reader, and Mm -hmm. then you moved online. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering what your experience has been in in contrasting those two things. Do you feel like there's a big difference between them, or one is just an extension of the other? I'll be honest with you, I was hesitant to to go to the online stuff at first, because I am such an in, I'm such an old schooler when it comes to that kind of thing. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a biliteral books. I don't, you know, I don't have a Kindle. I mean, God, the car I drive, I drive a 1963 Valiant. My car is like over 50 years That's old. Awesome. So I definitely do things in the old, in the analog old school kind of way. And so at first, I was a little bit concerned about doing this online classes because I am so comfortable with doing a, a, like right a face-to-face kind of thing. And I didn't exactly know how it was going to translate. But what it really came down to is that they found the most amazing person, the most amazing team, really, 
to put together this HOI TV that it's not just me being filmed in a classroom. The person that actually, they, they brought on a filmmaker to do this work. His name is Yako and he's, he, he's um, Finnish and he's amazing. He, he's done all kinds of things, films and music videos and all of this stuff. So he actually takes the teachers out into these beautiful, out in the middle of nowhere locations. Like he'll say, okay, Naha, I need you to climb up that, like through those brambles up to the top of that hill and then go up there and do your ritual up there. And the process of making those, those, they're not just like online classes, it's like these little mini films. And the process is so magical. I Sometimes I'm doing it and I'm feeling, you know, I'm standing on the, like on the top of this rock or the top of this mountain calling on the archangels or invoking something. And it's not just for show, like I'm really doing the ritual in that moment and to do it out in these beautiful locations is so powerful. There's a, there's a picture I use a lot where I'm sitting out in the desert and there's four bands of light rising around me, which, um, you know, that's all edited in post, but I'm sitting there visualizing these white posts of light um, rising around me and then it can be visually created and so it's just added this, this such this cool dimension. And then even uh, some of the meditations that I have on there, I've taught these meditations many times over, and I've I've kind of reworked them a little bit, like some of the new moon and full moon meditations. But um, but the producer takes the meditation and actually starts animating it. So you're you're, it's not just a guided meditation. You can actually see this thing play out. There's one that I do where I talk about, you know, you walk into a tent and you see an altar before you and it has the five elemental symbols on it. And he's actually creating a video where he's animating all of that. And I'm going, this is so crazy. This is the vision. I've only ever seen it in my head. And now I can see it in front of me on the screen. So it, the, that has just been such a cool process. I never would have known how cool it could be. And I think that just the way that it's being done and the quality, uh, the artistic quality of what it is just sets it aside. Because there's a lot of people that teach online classes. Mm -hmm. But um, I just think that it's so next level the way that it's being done where it's really, it's, it's cinemagraphic. Is that the word for it? Um, just with like cinematic. the cinematic with the the video and the music that's put to it and just the gorgeous locations. He'll literally drive us two hours out into the middle of nowhere and say, all right, this is where we're this is where we're doing it. So I've enjoyed that process so much. Um, the last ones we filmed were actually we didn't go too far, but we went down into the bottom of the L.A. River where you know, all kinds of things have been filmed down there, but um, it's it really utilizes all of the... There's so many cool places around L.A. Um, it is such a magical, spiritual little vortex here. It so. really is. I think that's why there are so many magical people here. We feel it has a reputation as being like this dirty, spread-out city, which it also is, but mm -hmm. there's so much nature here and really, right. really cool occult history and mm -hmm. um, 
And then it kind of builds on itself. Like the magical people come because it's magical and then more people come because of the magical people and it just kind of builds on itself like that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, okay, so this was an amazing conversation. I know my audience very, very well and I know that they are going to freaking love this as much as I did. <laughs> <So. laughs> Thank you. I, I I really hope, if there's one thing that I hope that maybe people would take away from it is that if there is, that, that sometimes you don't have to have all the answers. You know, my journey, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't, I didn't have a plan a lot of the time. Um, at, at this point in time, now that things have kind of really gelled, I, I can I can definitely have a plan. But there's still a lot where I, I just leave it up to spirit and say, if, if I can say the fundamental aspects, I want to be humble, I want to be of service, I want to be able to help people, then I can trust that those opportunities are going to present themselves and that I'm going to be taken care of and... Um, and so I can just kind of enjoy the ride and watch it all unfold. That's and I think, it, I think anyone can do that. You know, you don't have to have it all figured out. But if you, if you have some faith and you, and you put your best foot forward, I believe that, you know, we can all get a little bit closer to what our potential is. That's the perfect way to end this. I shall talk no more. <laughs> Thank you so much, Naha. This was fabulous. And, uh, much love, everybody. Peace. Thank you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.